So we've been talking a little bit about the great I am and what the I am stands for. So let me kind of just give a little recap of the last few messages that we've kind of preached about it. The first one we, we preached and talked about was, I am the bread of life. Does anybody remember that? So if you were here, I tried to make bread. Didn't go over well. Okay, I am the bread of life. And then the second one was called, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And then uh, Pastor Lupe did a great job last week preaching, I am the door. I am the door. And this week, I wanna talk to you about I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Say true vine. That's Jesus's rap name. It would be. Messiah Vine. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. It's, if you don't have your Bibles with you, it's on the screen right here. I do encourage you to bring your Bibles with you. But John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, and this is what it says. I am the true vine. Say it with me. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser, meeting the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so it may, be, so it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse four, remain in me and I in you, just as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him, bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Thank you, Jesus, for those encouraging words. You can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. How is the Father glorified from your life? That you bear much fruit. Let me just stop right there and say, listen, if your life's not being fruitful, then it might be a good time for you to kind of reflect and look a little bit on the inside of your heart to find out why it's not being fruitful. <laughs> Usually you don't find fruit. Well, you, you do, but it's the wrong kind of fruit. Usually you don't find fruit godly fruit in the lives of people who complain all the time. I mean, have you ever found that before? You know, somebody that just complains about everything, who gripes about everything, who's not happy about anything, but yet you still claim to be a Christian. I would just suggest to you this morning that maybe the kind of fruit that you're bearing is not the kind of fruit that pleases the Lord, that pleases the Lord. I find it really interesting to me that Jesus has to identify himself as the true vine. Someone say true vine. Someone, he identifies himself as the true vine. And I, and I read that and I thought, why does he have to say, I am the true vine? Why does he have to say, I am the true vine? Well, if there's a true vine, then there must be fake vines, right? There must be a false vine. There must be a vine that resembles Christ, that resembles life, that resembles kind of this kind of a thing, right, that we get our supply from. But really, it's a vine that really dries up and goes bad within a matter of time. So what are some of these false or fake or not real, not the true vine? What are some of these? Well, I think sometimes in our lives that money can be a true vine or a false vine. Yeah? How many of you guys know we need it? Yeah. Right? 
We need money, right? Look, look, don't sit there all holy, okay? <laughs> don't sit there and go, no, pastor, I live by faith and not by me alone. No, no, listen. Your faith is tied up in your finances. I know it is because I get your prayer requests in the cards. <laughs> right? <laughs> Lord, I just need help with my financial bills. And what you're really asking is that the church will help you with it. I mean, just simple. But money, when you think about it, it really is amoral. Because money, what it does, when you know that it's a fake or a false kind of identity of life, it actually controls and runs you. And I believe that finances should be flipped the opposite way. See, there's nothing wrong with wanting or having or even being with money. There's nothing wrong with that, right? It's when the money owns you, that's when it becomes the issue. It's when the money controls your life. When the money begins to, begins to direct your pathway, then all of a sudden, before you know it, you've made finances an idol, whether you have a lot of it or a little of it. If it's the thing that you always concern yourself with, it's become an idol in your life. It's become something where you've attached to, right, that is going to maybe feed you a little bit, but before you know it, that vine's going to dry out really soon, and there you are again. You see, money and faith and Jesus all kind of intertwingle together. Why is that? Because both offer the same kind of, 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 of confidence, but the problem is, is that one will leave you hanging, and the other one Jesus is the one that never runs dry. And if we continue to focus on the things that are temporal, I promise you, I promise you that that will leave us in a place where we are sucked dry of the life. And then before you know it, these are the things that we can think of, right, that we know that have run our life when we start to worry about everything going on in our life concerning finances. When we start being led and directed by the things Let's not forget that God is a God of abundance. Always has been, always will be. That's why the streets are made of gold in heaven. Because gold's like asphalt here. Right? There's no measure to what God can do. The measure really is in between our ears. And when we are controlled by this false vine, if you will, of finances and money, when we're directed and led by it, we will find our place, we will find ourselves in a place where we're constantly sunk in the hole and we think we can never get out of it. Never get out of it. I think another false or fake vine, if you will, is worldly satisfactions. Whether that be fame, I know none of us here want to be famous, right? But maybe you do, right? Leisure, even some connection and friendship. These worldly satisfaction, are any of these things wrong? No, not at all. It's not a matter if they're right or wrong. It's a matter if you're attached or not. Because if you're attached to those things as your life supply, right, then there is no true life going in and out of who you are. There is only one kind of thing that will always leave us empty on the inside. So whether that be fame, leisure, connection, or friendship, and and I just want you to know this morning that if you are doubting this, there is absolutely nothing that will satisfy you than a relationship with Jesus. Nothing will bring satisfaction to your life, hear me, than a relationship with Jesus. 
You can try to search. You can try to look. You can try to go over here. You can try to go over there. You can try to fulfill your needs in this God-shaped hole in your heart, right? You can try all that you want to, but until we submit and surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we will never truly find the life that he has for us. Never. Just to be honest with you, this portion right here has traumatized the church over in the last year. People have chosen things over their relationship with God. It's really interesting to me. I, 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 I'm a little reluctant to say this, but I'm going to say it. During the course of the last year, um, um, over the COVID, the pandemic time, it's been really interesting to see what, what has happened, right? And what I believe what has happened, it's been kind of God took the opportunity for this to happen to begin the division between the sheeps and the goats, Right between the things that are real and the things that are, are not passionate after him. These, you, you, can, you can literally see the, the, the separation beginning to happen. Listen, it's, it's, it's not what I'm trying to say. It's what the word of God says is going to happen in these last days. Right? It's, it's, I, I'm, I'm not making this up. This is something in the word of God that says in these days, you're going to begin to see the shift, the transformation, uh, the transformation. You're going to begin to see the division between sheep and goats. You're going to be able to see those things. And I think, guys, that we're at the tip of the spear of what that looks like right now because there's been people that have been, I love God with all my heart, but yet over the last year have fallen away. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, that, that they're goats, but what I'm saying is let's just pray for them that Jesus would grab their hearts again. Let's pray that Jesus would touch their hearts and their lives again. But this is something that has happened over the last year where we've taken leisure activities rather than a commitment to a body. I, look, I went to the Viking game last week, Skull Baby. Right? Nothing wrong with any of those things but it all matters what you're attached to. All matters what you're attached to. If you're attached, if you're getting your supply of life from those rather than the one who can truly provide life for you, we'll miss it. We'll miss it. I always like to say whatever you can't fast is an idol in your life. Whatever you can't fast, whatever you can't surrender, whatever you can't give up. I'm not talking about your kids, okay? I mean, maybe. I mean, it happened with uh, Abraham and Isaac, right? He was, <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about is the attitudes of the heart that are attached to that, to all those things. Whatever we can't fast can have the capability of being idle in our life. And what we have to do as believers is to remember to keep the main thing, the main thing. Keep the main thing, the main thing. That's Jesus. So here we have in scripture, right? He, there's, he calls himself the true vine. Then he takes away, then he, then, then he says that God takes away anything that doesn't bear fruit. So what does he do? He cuts it off, right? Cuts it at the root, says, ah, you're not, you're not doing anything. Let's just cut that out, right? And then he says he also prunes what is bearing fruit so he can grow more fruit. So let's allow the Holy Spirit right now to ask us this question. What isn't bearing fruit in your life right now? Is there anything in your life right now that is not being fruitful? Because if it's not being fruitful, the Bible says that we need to cut it out of our life. 
not tolerate it. Look, look, listen, we need to get past the idea of tolerating, think we're gonna get it, like we're gonna conquer it. No, 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 listen, you just need to surrender that, surrender that little part in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, whatever the case is, that addiction, whatever the case may be, you need to give that up to Jesus today. You need to give it up to him. Why? Because he has nothing but victory and life for you. Okay? So what is it in your life that's not bearing fruit and needs to be cut? Is it the thoughts about ourselves? Maybe it's a connection. Maybe it's a relationship that you're, that you're in and that isn't really a great relationship for you to be in. I'm not talking about boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm talking about the stuff you're connected to, okay? The things you're connected to. That's not a, a green light for you to get rid of your husband's wives, okay? Don't, don't do that, okay? You gotta, you gotta stick it out, all right? But what are you connected to? Is it the connections and relationships? What are the godly influences in your life that are not influencing you for God? What are these, let me say that again. What are the influences in your life that are not influencing you to God need to be cut out of your life? Because if it's not pointing you to Jesus, it should be released from you. See, the Bible says in Corinthians, it says, bad company corrupts good morals. It just might be time to take a real serious look at our hearts and our lives to what we're connected to and see if we need to cut some stuff out. Maybe it's the things we engage in, conversations, ideas, thoughts, those kinds of things. Maybe some of those things that need to be cut out of your life because they're not bearing any good fruit that pleases the Father. But then we have to ask ourselves the question, what is bearing fruit that needs pruning or tweaking? That might need some pruning or tweak. I like to call it tweaking, okay? Like it just, you know, when you zero, zero in a scope, right? You got to go left, right, up, and down. Okay? Right, Mike? Got to go left, right, up, and down. And you go click, 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 click. There it is. You don't get rid of the scope, right? A lot of the times the scope is just the scope. It's just there. Okay? But when you aim, you might have to make a couple of tweaks to adjust to a line where that target's going to be hit. And that's the pruning process of God in our lives. Just maybe a touch here and there. Why? So that we can bear more fruit. You got fruit going on already, but maybe you need to bear more fruit. God sees in your life that you can bear more fruit in that activity, in that thing, in those thoughts, in whatever the case is. He wants to just tweak it a little bit. So what does it mean to prune? I'm not going to prune this plant, I promise. You know, I got to look at this in my office. It's such a cute thing. I mean, look at that. It's Lucky Charms. Isn't that? What is it? Dopey? I don't know. When I think of pruning, though, I think of a karate kid. I think of karate kid when he was teaching them how to, you know, cut the tree. Bonsai, Daniel son, bonsai. You guys know what I'm talking about? Bonsai! <laughs> right? We need to do a song that that's all it does in worship. Is we just yell bonsai to Jesus. It's like, bonsai, Jesus. Right? 
Something about pruning. So what is pruning? So I had to look this up because you guys know that I'm an awesome gardener, right? So I had to look this up. What does it mean to prune? So pruning involves the trimming or cutting away the branches or excess foliage of your plant. There are different ways to prune plants. Number one, pinch or to heading or to thin, okay? I didn't know what any of this meant. So I thought, hey, what a great opportunity for me to learn. So pinching is when you remove the main stem from the plant, literally by pinching with your fingers to encourage new stems to grow, which helps promote a fuller plant while keeping it compact. Heading means to slice off portions of a plant's branches, which help control plant size, stimulate the growth of side stems, and control the direction of shrubs or trees to grow. Thinning prevents overcrowding by reducing the density of your foliage, allowing more sunlight, come on somebody, allowing more sunlight to penetrate your garden and limiting the areas where pests can hide. Now, this isn't a lesson in pruning, although if you want to take that, you can. Okay? This is a lesson of pruning in your life. Because sometimes we just need God to come in and be the master gardener over our lives. There's something, some, some things are already going on in your life that are awesome that God just wants to tweak. Maybe it is a thought in your mind that you're on the right track and, and, and you think that you've, you've hit a wall. God says, no, we're not done yet. Let me just come right on in and let me just cut this out and cut this out so that way you can prune and you can grow from that. That way you can get to that place where you, you can grow in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. God wants to come and be the master gardener so he can come and take away the, just the little teeny tiny things in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit. So that way you can be flourished into how he sees you. Maybe he needs to prune the relationships. Maybe he needs to prune the ideas in your heart. So what's the point about this? See, if a plant could talk, it would say, hey, don't pinch me. Hey, don't cut that off. Hey, stop thinning out my plant. Stop thinning me out. I told my barber yesterday, I think I'm thinning on my head. And she laughed at me. She's like, yeah, you are. <laughs> stop thinning. This is what the plant would say. See, pruning was never meant to be comfortable and convenient, but it's always meant to bring growth. It's not comfortable. It's not convenient for God to kind of take and investigate your heart and investigate your mind and investigate your heart. See, there's some things here this morning that some of us need to surrender. There's some things here this morning, some thoughts in your mind that you developed about yourself, right? Some, some heart conditions, right, that you have just gone through where you haven't really given up that one person who did that one thing against you, God says, hey, let me come in and let me prune that. Let me come in and let me just tweak that a little bit. Let me come in and just dial that in just a little bit because you're going to have growth in that. But what we do a lot of the times is we kind of take this, whatever God brings to us, and we go, no, God, you can't have that part of my life because I'm not ready to give it over to you. I'm telling you here this morning, if you come and surrender and give whatever it is that God is pressing on your heart, God will begin to grow in your life in the place that, that, where that's at. He'll begin to grow in that place where you're at. So what is Jesus really saying when he says, I am the true vine? He's saying that I'm the true vine. That's what he's really saying. But instead of talking about him and being the true vine, what is our responsibility in this, in the true vine? We've already established that there's no life outside of Jesus. There isn't. 
You can try, but you'll keep, you'll keep hitting the wall. You can try. And that's the cool thing about Jesus, that he never leaves you or forsakes you. He never gives up on you. He's right there with you. You can try, right? But he's right there. You can try to run away from Jesus. You can try. You can try it yourself thinking you got it all figured out. You can try it yourself, but I promise you without him, there's no life. There's no life. But our responsibility, our response, if you will, is to abide. And this is what I want to focus on as I close here today. What does it mean to abide in Christ? So what's Jesus saying here? He's saying that abiding in the vine is a continuous awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. It's a continual God conscious, if you will, of him in us. To abide in the vine. You see, consciousness of God is not a mental effort, it's a heart issue. Awareness of his presence is not an exercise, it's not something you can read into, it's not something that, that you can go A, B, C, D, there, I figured it out. It's not like that. It's not a mental exercise. It's a heart condition when we are aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to abide in him, is to have God conscious, to have God awareness. See, this abiding shouldn't be a struggle or work. It shouldn't be something that we have to force ourselves to. Oh, I've got to abide. No, it's called rest. It's called being confident in him. If there is any kind of work, if you will, which I don't think there is, but if there is, it will be surrendering so we can go deeper in him. It will be giving up some excess baggage that we might be carrying. So that way we can see truly who he is inside of us. To really bring about the identity of who he is in your life. That's what God wants. See, if you can imagine, you see me been grabbing my podium all day long, which is true. If everything flowed from this podium right here, and this was God, and this was my life. My responsibility, my response to him is simply just keep attached. Because the moment I become detached is the moment life stops happening in my heart. Is the moment the awareness of, his, of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. The moment I detach is when we begin to become less aware of God in our lives. And I'd vow to say here this morning that there's somebody, maybe just one of you, that have detached from God. You've detached from the true vine. And now you find yourself asking, where is God in the middle of this? Where is God? Where is he? Listen, those are normal things to ask. Those are normal questions to ask. Those are very human things to talk about. And God's just saying to you this morning, hey, link up again. But I don't feel you. Thank God it's not about feelings, amen? Thank God it's not about feelings. Because if the only time that I serve God is when I felt him, that'd be way less. But there are moments where you can feel 
God, AKA this morning during worship. See, you don't ever walk through a vineyard and hear the vines say, I claim grapes. I declare grapes. I confess grapes. I confess the promises of God that I'm going to bear grapes. It's in my nature to bear grapes. You don't walk through a vineyard of grapes and hear the grapes trying to work very hard for producing grapes. Why? Because they're just attached to the vine that supplies the grapes. You see what I'm saying? They're just attached to that. And the not natural response to being attached to the vine of the grapes is bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. There are some fruits in our life that are not the result of effort. They're actually the result of abiding in connection. See, living in awareness of God is the ambition of the Lord for you and for me. It's not just a mental, mental exercise again. It's a heartfelt realization of who he is. Let me wrap it up with this illustration. Let's say a wealthy person were to come to you and say, I have an assignment for you. If you do this assignment for 30 days, and at the end of this 30 days, I'll give you $1 million. How many of you guys would be like, count me in, baby? I mean, I would say that before I even knew what the assignment was. You got it. Oh, pastor, you just talked about money running your life. No, it's just a cool opportunity. Right? We go, okay, great. I take it. He then says, okay, here's your assignment. I want you to take this ring that's worth $10 million. I want you to take this ring and put it in your pocket. And for 30 days, you can't lose it and you can't take it out of your pocket. At the end of the 30 days, if you still have the ring, then I will give you $1 million. I mean, guys, for sure would go, yeah, I could do that, right? Easy peasy, one, two, three, threesy, right? Like, no problem. I stick that sucker right in my pocket. I wouldn't change clothes for 30 days. I'd put, I'd put a, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was just going to say this. I was going to say I was going to put a chastity belt around, but that's, I'd lock that sucker lock and key, man, around my leg, right? Nobody. And then what I would do, even though I know that that thing is so secure and safe, right? I would, because of, because of all that, number one, if I had all that, right, it would, it, would, it would cause awareness that the ring is in there, right? But still, I would go, for 30 days, nonstop, pit, pat, pit, pat my leg, just to make sure that that ring was in there. Because I don't trust any of y'all. You'd figure out a way how to cut my pocket. <laughs> right. I would be aware that that thing, and here's the reality, is that you and I, we carry something more precious than the $10 million ring. We carry his presence. And we carry something that garners a much greater reward than the $10 million. It's called salvation. 
And when we're aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit called abiding in the vine, I'm connected. The work is nothing. The work is surrender. So I told you at the beginning what I was going to do at the end of service today. I've got a song queued up back there in just a moment, but I want to land this plane. That there's some people here this morning where you need to surrender so that way you can come back to the vine. You've been detached lately, or maybe you're attached, but there's some thoughts that aren't right that God wants to prune. He wants to prune from your life so that way you can bear fruit. Christine, come on up here. Christine, at the beginning of church today, came to my office and shared with me a word that I wanted to share. And Megan, just to give you a little direction, we're gonna put that, that thing on repeat, okay? So I'm gonna allow her just to share just real briefly. 1 Peter 5. <clears throat> and now a word to you who are the elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. If there is one bad fruit, it'll spoil the bunch. I believe God is trying to talk to us and trying to tell us that we're putting things in our way. We're allowing things to come in our way before God. What is the thing that is holding you, or that, that you're holding closer to yourself than God? When I was praying today, I heard depression, anxiety, troubles, worries, doubt, pride, vanity, self-hatred, unforgiveness, grudges, shame, fear. It doesn't belong here. And it doesn't belong here. But it belongs here. At the altar. But God is asking. First, the elders of the church. Now, when I was talking, or when I was praying, and I, I asked God, I'm like, who does, who's the elders? Who are the people that um, you consider elders? And he put in my heart the people who are in service to God at the church. That's just who he put in my heart right now service to God at the church and he's asking for those to come before him and to surrender these things because 
I'm gonna continue to read. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never ending glory and honor. In the same way, you, are, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you, all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. God isn't just saying it's just the elders, but, and he's not saying it's just the young ones. He's saying it's all of us. It's all of us. came to on this is that I haven't in, in my Bible study lately I haven't been the one who has been at fault for the relationship with me and my God or that it hasn't been God but it's been me that I haven't trusted him are you trusting God are you really trusting God that he's gonna take everything from you? Because again, God wants your filthy rags. He doesn't just desire your best, but he desires your worst because he wants to clean you up. Again, it's not here. It doesn't belong here, but it belongs at the altar. Thanks, Christine.